0: And a very good evening to you and welcome to The Full Works on Classic 1027 with me, Richard Koch. This is a program in which I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And my guest tonight is Willem de Beer, a pianist who has been described as mature beyond his age and a bright and shining star in the firmament of the South African music scene. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah,
1: well, I don't believe everything you read, right?
0: <laughs> well, welcome, oh, thank Philip. You, thank you very much, sir. It's what a pleasure. It's very nice to have you on the program. It's my greatest And life. you are a concert pianist. Indeed. They say so. They, <laughs> well, the newspaper says so. The <laughs> yeah. Beard newspaper says so. <laughs> sure. And uh, you're obviously getting quite busy these days, mm, which is good. It's very yeah. good. Very fortunate. Where do you come from? I come
1: from South Africa, from from Bethlehem. Um, That's where I grew up. Um, It was a wonderful set, the Bethlehem in the Free State, uh, not to be ambiguous. And uh, yeah, we moved to Pretoria in my standard nine year, my grade 11 year, which was 2008. And um, since then, this is this is where we've been. And did you always know you wanted to be a musician? Kind of. I remember a day when my mom said, "Um, I have to choose now on this day what (laughs) I'm going to do with my life. I remember it very vividly. It was it was during this this stage where you kind of have to decide which subjects will you be taking so Aha. that you can align your life to the path. Well, so now you were in
0: about standard eight or grade ten. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So um, and she said, "Well, go into your room and decide what you want to be with your life." Sure. So that was something. And at that stage, it was split between three options, which are either music, uh, medicine, or theology. And um, I just felt that I can live well, kind of live without theology. I don't have necessarily have to be a pastor to, to yeah. live, you know. I can, I can manage without giving sermons yeah. every Sunday. And I can manage without blood, other people's blood on my hands. But without music, it will be pretty difficult
0: for me. Yeah, You see, so. this is an important decision. And I, I often say this to people. If you really can't live without it, then that's what you've got to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was a relatively easy choice. So I came out of the room and I said, "Mom, it's music."
1: <laughs> was and it, it? Was it really like that? It was really, really,
0: really, really. That's amazing. Yeah. And and your parents or your mom said, "Go for it."
1: Absolutely. Yeah, they yeah. were really supportive of it. Uh, they met in a choir, and I met my wife in a choir, and they they grew up with music. My both of my grandmothers were, well. Good pianists, yeah. I would say, um, uh, for their time and for my one grandmother gave piano lessons and my yeah. other grandma played for ballets. And it was, it was great. So they knew that it's not the best kind of life, but it's a wonderful life. But it's a wonderful but life, it's a wonderful it's
0: life but it's a tough life. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so. And we're going to talk about that. Sure. <laughs> but we've come now to your first choice, which is by the great, the wonderful mm-hmm. Johann Sebastian Bach. Oh, yes. The keyboard concerto number two in E major. This is the first movement played by Murray Pariah with the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields. Murray Pariah playing with the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields. That was the first movement from the keyboard concerto number two in E major by the great, the wonderful Johann Sebastian Bach. Do you play Bach a lot?
1: Absolutely. You Absolutely. like Bach? I love Bach. I think Bach is, is genesis. This is it. And the, the older I get, I've always had a strong affinity for the music of Bach for some reason. But the older I get, the more I just realise that it was a well-founded affinity because it is just it's all there. Everything that's happened since has been there since Bach.
0: I think Bach still comes out top of the pops. You know, if you ask people, who's your favorite composer? More people and like Bach than anyone else.
1: I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree. And, and where I'm studying now in Austin, we have a, a wonderful professor who gives piano pedagogy. And she considers herself a Bach specialist. And the more she teaches us on it, the more
0: I just realize, again, it is incredible. It really is what incredible. What he's done and what yeah. he did. And you say you're studying in Austin. Mm-hmm. How did you come to go to Austin?
1: Well, this has been a long road. You know, when you're from a, f- a small town like Bethlehem and you can play two notes on a piano beautifully, people say you're Mozart, right? So um, I've always had this dream that I should go abroad and be famous and by the time I'm 17, I'll be world-renowned. And, then I, I adapted the dream and by the time I'll be 20, I'll be world renowned and now I'm 26 and I, I no longer have that dream. But we tried for many years to, to go abroad as this is the, the natural kind of process that uh, pianists or musicians in South Africa tend to take. And uh, this year we were very fortunate. I auditioned at uh, the Butler School of Music in Austin, Texas uh, for the primary reason because we have a very good teacher there who is a fellow South African, Professor Antonell.
0: Oh, um, are you studying with him? Yes, Oh, fantastic.
1: Indeed. Yeah, and it, it's it's wonderful. So I've been there for the past three months, uh, so it's relatively new still, and it, it's the most incredible journey. And are you home for a bit of holiday now? For a bit of slight. It's it's holiday that I'm taking. They're still working over there, uh, but I'm here to play the, the Tchaikovsky concerto and also to... Um, to pick up my wife, who's been here for the past three months. Without you?
0: Without me. Wow. Yeah. And now she's going back. Now you? she's coming. Fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> well, you mentioned there, Tchaikovsky, you're playing it on the 24th at the Etienne Rousseau Theater in Sasselberg and on the 25th at the Linda Auditorium absolutely, with Carl Henn and the Randberg Orchestra. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I must say, uh, Carl has done a great job with that orchestra, and they're playing more and more ambitious concerts now, which is wonderful.
1: Absolutely, I yeah. agree, and it's such a to have a a kind of grassroots orchestra or a society or a community, community orchestra, orchestra. That's it. Um, what a wonderful thing! it just no, it it places music back in the hands of the people who listen to it, which is and and wonderful. we will
0: talk about that great. as well. But here comes your next choice. This is a Cape Town-based pianist, or he was. I think he's abroad now. Franklin Larry, playing the sonata in A major by Scarlatti. Franklin Larry, who was head of piano studies at UCT, playing the sonata in A major by Domenico Scarlatti. The choice of Willem de Beer, who's my guest in People of Note. And Willem, you're studying. In Austin, Texas, uh, is that for a master's? Correct. Or, yes. yes. But you will go on and do a doctorate. Absolutely. Definitely.
1: Yeah. If that's, uh, yeah, if, if I'm allowed to and if I can, yeah. that's everyone seems to do
0: that these days. They go <laughs> you and kinda they kind of have yeah. to
1: You in music. It's, it's people are so overqualified these days. And um, I think one of the reasons is if if you stop studying, you you have to do something with your life. At least while you're studying, you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, And
0: you're still young and yeah. and life. Let's talk about life as a a concert pianist Mm. because that's or would you prefer to be a teacher? Are you would you like to do both? I think I think
1: in this in this day and age, both will be inevitable. Uh, A concert pianist will also have to be a teacher. In my opinion, I I have met very few people who have managed to just be concert pianists.
0: Well, I think of Anton Nell. I mean, he's a fantastic concert pianist, but also very... Distinguished teacher, absolutely,
1: and I and I think the one complements the other. Um, I I have a teaching position that's part of my scholarship in in austin now, and I have eleven um, non music major students who I teach, and they range from this is middle C all the way to Prokofiev's third sonata, which is it's fantastic. I have the whole spectrum, and it's incredible to note how my teaching has influenced my playing, and how as a as a performer you have this desire to pass on what you know and the skills that you've honed and and have,
0: yeah also I tell you what it does it makes you think how you do things absolutely because you have to explain to someone else how to do it so it really makes you sort of internalize these things and think for yourself how you do them. Absolutely. I think it's a fascinating process. Uh, and then, obviously, teaching
1: brings in money. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> That's a steady, which is important. Which is, yeah.
1: <laughs> fortunately, unfortunately. Uh, but, yeah, you you can't play a concert every single day to bring in the, the amount <laughs> of money that you should need. And teaching does bring in money.
0: Now, you mentioned another interesting thing there, which was non-music majors. Mm. These are people who are studying, let's say, medicine. Absolutely. Most and, of the time. But want to play the piano. Yes, which is the most wonderful kind
1: of person. It is. Because they have this, and they are also, funnily, I, I get very frustrated by them because how can I devote my life to this and they and, and do it averagely and these people come in studying medicine and try and do what I do. But anyway, it's wonderful because it's people who want to do, they're not there because their moms forced them to be there. They want to learn, eager to learn, and they practice, which is Fantastic. That's the ideal student.
0: Yeah, uh, And, in fact, there's a, a thing going on in Cape Town, or just finished now, called Les Amateurs Virtuose, oh. which is exactly that. Mm. M- medical people or people from other professions who also play the piano to a very high degree. That's amazing, yeah. And there's a whole gathering of them in That's Cape wonderful. Town, or has been this week. Yeah. So it's a fascinating thing. Absolutely. Well, here was someone who taught all his life and ran music in churches, Johann Sebastian Bach, come back again, <laughs> with... The partita number four in D major. This is the overture played by Andras Schiff. Andras Schiff playing the overture from the partita number four in D major by Johann Sebastian Bach. The choice of Willem de Beer, who's my guest in People of Note. He's a concert pianist and teacher now studying in Austin in Texas. Tell us a little bit about your own background. I mean, I know you come from Bethlehem (laughs) in the Free State. Someone must have fired you up in Bethlehem.
1: Absolutely. Initially, uh, I, I my, my parents are, are really fond of 80s music, and we grew up with this 80s music, and, and obviously Abba is part of this. And um, I wanted desperately to become the keyboard player for Abba. So my mom dutifully found a keyboard instructor in Bethlehem, and I was very fond of it, and we could play with all the rhythms and the different sounds, and... Turned out, when I had to do my homework, I didn't have a keyboard at home, so I couldn't practice with the rhythms, and the teacher kind of picked up on this and said, well, what do you have at home? So I said, a piano. And she says, well, why don't we switch over and do piano? I said, I don't really care for the piano. I, I wanted to be ABBA's keyboard player. And she said, well, let's give it a chance. And and I gave it a chance, and this teacher had to move away, and I moved to a different teacher, who was Mrs. Buhler von Aswegen, and she just opened up the world of music to me I opened up uh, played recordings and i i kind of met this world of classical music and the wonderful expressiveness and yeah that's that's where it started and um, i was with her for a couple of couple of years and then went to play the sunlum that was it called that Then i think it's a bit from a today went to play the sunlum competition where a different teacher it was a Peres peris who was in pretoria heard me and said well he would love to teach me if i would be willing to drive through every second week from basically into Pretoria. And my parents were wonderful and they said, Well, they'll they'll try and do that. So for a time then we drove from Bethlehem, which is three hours to Pretoria, and then I'll have a three-hour lesson and be dead afterwards. And then we'll stop in Stop at Midland, and I would be allowed to go to the restaurant of my choice, and we'll have a lovely meal. And then we'll drive all the way back again, which was a I'm a long so day. grateful, absolutely, yeah. but so grateful to my parents. And and this taught me a wonderful a wonderful sense of self-discipline because if I had learned a note incorrectly, I would have practiced that note for two weeks until yeah. I had gotten to my lesson, and then he would just really get into me why did this happen so I I had to become really very critical of my playing and how I'm learning the notes and am I doing everything correctly which is wonderful because self-discipline will take you really far in this world and um, after Mr. Ashan I went to Professor Joseph Stanford for my undergraduate degree and um, which is also wonderful where Mr. Perez was very focused on are you playing this correctly and what are you doing and this is the stylistic characteristics of all the the various composers Professor Stanford opened up a voice and how do you what do you want to say? And what is this that you're trying to convey to the audience, which was wonderful. And after my undergraduate degree, I went to uh, Dr. Brian Wallach for my first master's degree, which again was completely different because Mr. Wallach was or Dr. Wallach was the first person from the American side of the of the Atlantic. And it's great. He he had all of these wonderful ideas that were new to me. He had a uh, he made me incredibly aware of sound and how are we producing sound? Because as pianists, we often live very ignorantly of the sound in the hall because we are so focused on these 88 black and white things in front of us. So that's the background in a nutshell.
0: That was the third movement, the Rondo from the Piano Concerto Number no. 22 in E-flat major by Mozart. Jonathan Biss was the pianist with the Orpheus Chamber Orchestra. And it was interesting, that choice, because we were talking about uh, your growing up years mm-hmm. and the people that influenced you, and I'm always uh, fascinated by Mozart because he was homeschooled by his father yes. and put on the stage at a, v- a very young age yes. and made to get on playing. When was the first time you appeared in public? This is
1: I, I remember it very vividly.
0: <laughs> um, it was in the
1: the choir room, which had those little kind of auditorium benches that go up and up. And I played, I can't remember what I played, but I remember that I made a really bad mistake and this is, uh, as we all kind of do with the first time we play, I think, I freaked out and I didn't know how to continue. And I looked to my parents in the audience and they just showed, go on, go on. So I looked back at the music and I realized, okay, I, I can continue. And I finished it and I bowed and I went. But funnily enough, they didn't discourage me. I, yeah. I just got back on again and, and continued yeah, It's to do like it. falling off a horse. It's exactly yeah. like it. Yeah. So
0: that was the first time I yeah. remember. And maybe growing up in a small town like Bethlehem, you did have experiences like falling off horses as well did (laughs) did you have a sort of outdoor life as well well my father
1: bought us motorcycles as soon as we could walk (laughs) so we were we didn't have we had um what we call iron horses not not the real ones but yeah absolutely we had a very outdoor life he loved fishing still loves fishing Uh, so we would go every weekend we would we have have this bucky this land rover bucky that we would just pack to the rafters with fishing gear and motorcycles food exactly and then we would just go and spend the day outside, which is wonderful because I didn't have to practice that many hours and I can't do it now.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that because uh, you talked about self-discipline mm. and being a pianist is, can be quite a lonely life. Also. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I completely agree. And I've come to realize if you don't surround yourself with wonderful people who inspire and who really take an interest in your life, I think as as an artist and as a pianist, especially you can become very lonely. We don't need accompanists. Uh, like a violinist do that that forces that interaction with a different musician as a pianist you can sit alone in the practice room for hours on end and um, Yeah, it it is it is something that I'm very aware of and something that I guard against not isolating myself to the point where I I become the strange human being because an artist I think has to be relevant and you have to be in touch with society and as a human being um, you have needs of speaking and talking to people, which is probably why I married early, is to, to ensure that one of those. Apart you have from someone the fact to talk have, to. Yeah, that I have yeah. a lovely wife. Um, it's to ensure that there is this constant flow of communication that you have somebody to, to reach out to.
0: Your next choice is by Franz Schubert, who was quite a lonely person. Absolutely. This is the impromptu in G flat major. David Frey is the pianist. Music by Franz Schubert, the Impromptu in G-flat Major, with David Frey performing, and we talked about Schubert being a lonely person. And actually, I used to console myself because I did piano at university, also mm. piano and organ, uh, and I sort of thought of myself as being with the composers because mm-hmm. you're you're sitting with the product of a genius. Absolutely. All the time. Yes. I mean, especially because I'm an organist I used to play a lot of Bach. There you go. <laughs> and I used to think, you know, it's such a privilege to sit with this music and mm. play it. I'm sure Bach sort of tossed these things off in a you know in double quick time. When you look exactly. at his handwriting, yeah. these flowing things. And Schubert, I mean the music just poured out of these guys. Absolutely. And I used to think of my practice time actually as a great privilege to sit with the music of these fantastic people.
1: Yeah, I think so. That's a, a wonderful way to look at it because as a pianist, it's oftentimes very difficult to play these works as they, require, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so they require a lot of practice. And it's, it's easy to become focused on just the physical dexterity aspects of it so that you're not thinking that you're in the company, but that you're just perfecting something, which I think is hollow. But yeah.
0: considering it as a, as a conversation yeah. with... Uh, yeah, very much a conversation. And, I mean, of course, it's hard work. And, and, you know, Bach used to say, if anyone works as hard as I do, they could produce what I produce. Wow. Yeah. And he worked jolly hard. That, exactly. So, yeah. That'll take a lot of work from me. Yeah. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But people, you know, you have to work hard at whatever you do. And and I think the, the idea of discipline, and I think this is why music is such an important thing for young people, because it teaches you so much about other people aspects of life. Absolutely. And so if people can start early, it teaches them discipline, it teaches them fine motor control, mental discipline, counting, all that sort of thing, which is good for people. Absolutely. We're going to hear a short piece now for piano and cello, Stille Tränen, by Robert Schumann, and then we're going to take a short break. Silent Tears by Robert Schumann, something Many musicians shed when they can't get something right. (laughs) Stefan Vlada was the pianist and Clemens Hagen played the cello. The choice of Willem de Beer, who is a pianist studying in Austin, Texas at the moment, but here to do two concerts on the 24th of this month at Sasselberg, the Etienne Rousseau Theatre, and the 25th at the Linde Auditorium. He's playing the Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto. We'll be back in a moment. Stephen Massey playing the first movement of the piano, Sonata number no. 31, by Beethoven. That's in A-flat major, chosen by Willem de Beer, who's my guest in People of Note. Willem, at the moment, you're studying in Austin, but I see from your CV that you've had several masterclasses with yes. interesting people. Mm. Just tell us a bit about that and what the process is. And what do you gain from these masterclasses?
1: They're a very peculiar thing. And um, most of the time you do a masterclass because you want that person's name on your CV, (laughs) if we're completely honest. But sometimes there's a wonderful magic that happens in a good masterclass. Uh, In an hour's time, you're very rarely going to, to alter a person's playing. But what a masterclass does provide is a wonderful perspective that you and your teacher on this ever journey to perfection and creating a wonderful expression on a piece of music provides by by this third person coming in and having expertise and a completely different view or an angle on this music and providing that angle it immediately lifts you to a whole new level By gaining this new understanding or this new perspective from this person so i am i'm always for the idea of a masterclass because there's these perspectives these ideas on expression there's there's never a single way to to perform a piece of music and getting as many opinions as you can can be confusing but you can also if you're really clever about it construe a wonderfully imaginative and a holistic interpretation of a work by combining as many opinions as you want or as you need so masterclasses provide this opinion and other than that, it provides the opportunity for the performer or the student to be recognized by wonderful, wonderful musicians. As a master class is typically by a, a, a musician who is of a higher stature than yourself. So it, it can lead to study or to, to the opportunity to work further with this musician, which is wonderful, or exposure through concerts that he can provide. So it, it kind of goes both ways uh, for us. It's, it's both instructive and it helps our playing, but it also gives us the exposure that we want.
0: And I guess the people giving the masterclasses could also then pick and choose. If if they find a particularly promising uh, student, they could say, come and study with me. If, Absolutely. Because I'm sure most of them teach as well. Yeah. They must do. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And exactly. we do this with at our annual Mozart Festival when we get a, a singing teacher out here who runs a masterclass. Mm-hmm. And one of the benefits then is that one of the people on the masterclass gets chosen to go and study in Germany. Wonderful. Which exactly. is, yeah, it's perfect. That's a, that's I mean, it really works very well both ways. Exactly. Because they learn a lot on the masterclass. That's a whole week of work, though. Wow. Which is, is quite intense, mm. but, but very good. Your next choice is by Edward Grieg, and it's the slow movement from the Piano Concerto. Leif over Andersness is the pianist with the Berlin Philharmonic. The beautiful slow movement from the Piano Concerto by Edward Grieg, played there by Leif over Ansness with the Berlin Philharmonic under Maris Janssens. The choice of Willem de Beer, who's my guest in People of Note. Do you have a favorite Piano Concerto? Or, and how many have you got in your repertoire now? Um,
1: I actually don't know the number. It's, it's quite, quite a few. Lot. I think 12 or yeah. 15 maybe. I've been very fortunate with, with orchestras or that I have the opportunity, definitely more so than my South African friends and very often, even this, the current classmates that I have in America, opportunities to play with orchestra are very rare. So a favorite piano concerto is an easy answer: Beethoven's Fourth. Yeah, it's it's just easy. I it is my darling concerto. It is the one that I've been fortunate to play a couple times, and every time it's just a wonderful new experience. And I think it's one of the the greatest expressions of life and of of music ever. I I would listen to it on repeat probably my whole life. That's
0: the one with Orpheus taming the beast in the second movement. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: exactly. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's yeah. And, and I, I enjoy everything about it. When you read about the premiere of that work, it was in that mammoth concert, I think in 1808, that, that Beethoven premiered both the Fifth Symphony, the Fourth Concerto, and um, a host of other works. And... And just the, the audacity of Beethoven in an era where concert practice was not to have a silence before the piece and concert practice was to start with a loud orchestral introduction, to start with the piano and to start piano on the piano is it's just mind-boggling to have that audacity to come out and, and just create this wonderful sonority. It, yeah. It's fantastic.
0: And you mentioned there that you had opportunities with orchestras and mm-hmm. perhaps we can listen to your next piece and then I want to talk about Community orchestras, because that's what you're playing with this coming weekend, absolutely, and, and their importance in society now, not only here, but in America, and also the importance of uh, amateur, and I mean that in the best possible way, yes. amateur music making. So let's listen to Mozart. This is the second movement from his piano sonata in D major, K311, Daniel Barenboim. Daniel Barenboim playing the second movement of the piano sonata in D major by Mozart. Let's talk about uh, community orchestras. My guest is Willem de Beer, and have you had experience of community orchestras in the United States also?
1: Not not yet, actually. It's uh, it's only been three months, and uh, we I know that we do have a community orchestra in the the nearby town in Round Rock, uh, but I think with with the. Um, I don't know where, because the university is so close to to Round Rock. A lot and of they've got their own
0: university orchestra. Or yes. orchestras. It, we
1: say. have seven orchestras at the <laughs> University of Texas. Um, which is great because we have more than a thousand music students. So it's quite a big department. And um, this round rock amateur orchestra that's in the north of Austin, uh kind of feeds off of the university. So I wouldn't really call it an amateur orchestra, though they, they regard themselves as a community orchestra. No. I don't think that's a, a great reflection of the community necessarily because they're playing with highly trained yeah. uh, students. But there are several orchestras in the city itself that, that uh, comprise members of the community, and they're very active. There's always a concert to be heard by, by and, these and orchestras, and they play at a high level. They do indeed. Yeah. They do, and they play repertoire. They won't play Beethoven's Fifth, but they'll play repertoire that's that's still challenging to them and really accessible for the for the community yeah. to come and listen to.
0: And I think uh, certainly in South Africa that community orchestras uh, or As I said, in the best sense, amateur orchestras are going to play a larger and larger role as we go on because money is a big problem here for the arts. Absolutely. Well, and I think not only here, I think worldwide. It's a universal thing. It's a universal problem. Yeah. And as we said earlier, people who love what they do actually do a great job. Yes. So I think they should be encouraged, like uh, the orchestra you're playing with this coming weekend, the Randberg Symphony Orchestra, I think it's called, under Carl Henn. They really they fill a need in yes. a community and they do a great job and people get a real sense of achievement absolutely
1: from that. as the from, for the orchestra and the pleasure of the audience being able to listen to orchestral music, which is becoming more and more scarce to be able to do, and as it is a community orchestra it's relatively affordable because they don 't have to pay this um, humongous orchestra yeah. that lot of money so
0: yeah, because we were saying the other day to to run a like a forty five piece uh Professional orchestra now can cost you thirty million a year. You see, that's yeah. an incredible. Well, amount and that. I'm sure in America it would be three hundred million sure. probably. Fair enough. I mean, it's a serious business in America and they don't do well, on the whole, we don't hear about small orchestras. It's like Minnesota or New York or exactly. Cleveland. Or Los Angeles. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very expensive. It to is do it. indeed. So this is a great opportunity for people to play in an orchestra and for you. To get yet another experience of playing with an orchestra. Absolutely. Now, your next choice, Willem de Beer, is by Johannes Brahms and it's the Piano Sonata number three in F minor played by Elizabeth Leonskaya and we're going to hear the second movement. Johannes Brahms, that was the second movement from the Piano Sonata number three played by Elizabeth Leonskaya and I think Brahms is something else for oh, yes. pianists.
1: Oh, yes. It's a wonderful thing. I came to Brahms very late in my life, <laughs> my relatively short life still. Um, but I can remember during my whole undergrad and the first year of my master's degree, I loathed Brahms. I, and I said so to my teacher at the time, it was Dr. Wallach. And he said, just don't tell anybody that because you'll look like an idiot. And I'm very grateful because I, I agree. You look like an idiot saying that. And then I was very fortunate in 2016 to... Um, to go to the to chosen to to go and participate in the Olga Kern International Piano Competition in New Mexico, and one of the semi finalists played the Brahms Third Sonata, and as I don't like Brahms, I have never listened to the Third Sonata, and um, she sat down and, and played it, and it, it was one of those epiphanies, one of those moments that I I hung onto every single note, and initially I thought it's just the performer because she, she gave a stellar round of music, but then I went home that evening and I listened to it again, and I realized, but especially the second movement, it's really stirring and there's something in this music. So I listened to the sonata a couple of times before I reached home and as I, as I got home I said, well, to, to Dr. Wallach, I said, Brian, I need to play this this third sonata, Brahms is amazing. And he said, yeah, well, have you listened to the piano concerto? And I said, well, I haven't really because I, I don't like them. And he said, well, when last did you listen to it? And I said, oh, a couple of years ago. So I went and listened to the first one. I said, Brian, the Brahms first piano concerto is amazing. I have to play it. So. For my first master's recital in, in Pretoria, I played the first piano concerto by Brahms, and on my second concert, uh, second concert I played the third sonata. And I am deeply in love. I, I do still kind of hold the opinion that some of his music still challenges me slightly, but most of it is absolutely phenomenal.
0: And now it's, it's just a challenge now. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's no longer loathing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Shaman, he was another rather lonely chap, actually. Yes,
1: had a wonderful, I I always find his his relationship with Clara Schumann and Robert Schumann and that time and Liszt, all these people who were alive at the same time. It must have been a fantastic dinner table because there's a lot of evidence for these people really sharing in each other's lives. And it it must have been fantastic to be able to sit around that table discussing with Liszt and Chopin and and
0: Brahms and Schumann.
1: What a wonderful time to be alive for
0: music. And to be in love with Clara.
1: Yeah, well (laughs) showing the book (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, and he just never had any success in his love life. Yes. So I think it must be quite frustrating for him. Indeed. But someone who did have success in his love life was Frederick Chopin. And we're going to hear the nocturne in F major. This is Tessa Ois. South African pianist Tessa Ois playing the Nocturne in F major by Frederick Chopin. We have produced a number of South African pianists, which Indeed. is good.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's great. Uh, and, and I get to to know more of them as my life progresses. They they kind of crept into the uh, the overseas crevices, some of them. And, and uh, in Austin, I've met three South African pianists, which were wonderful. Studying um, there? Well, one of them is uh, still studying. And the other one is, is settled into, apart from Professor Nell, will be the third. The other one is working, which is, is wonderful for us to have people they sad for South Africa, wonderful for them, that they're able to pursue their dreams and make rather comfortable, comfortable existences. So,
0: yeah, well, um. it's getting more difficult to make uh, a good living in South Africa as a, as a musician. Now, mm-hmm. I have to say, and I'm sorry to say that, yes, exactly. uh, but it is true. And for singers, for example, there's really not enough to keep singers and uh, not enough to keep them living. Yet. Yes, uh, because you need to earn money yeah. and and you can earn more money in places where there are regular concerts or opera houses and Mm -hmm. so on absolutely unfortunately because things have withered away a bit here uh and it's not nice to say that but it's true and i think we just have to face up to that which is why community organizations are going to become more important
1: absolutely and then take it upon ourselves to to keep it alive and and do the best that we can.
0: And as long as you, people like you, if you go abroad, you keep coming back to feed into us here.
1: That's always been the plan for me is to, because South Africa has given me everything. So I intend to give back as much as I can because it is a wonderful country.
0: Yeah. So you always want to feel as though you're going home and I see that's your last choice. We're going to hear something else first though. This is by Schubert. Do you accompany much?
1: Not at the moment, but it's coming up for my second year of masters, and I cannot wait. We have a, a because I have an absolute passion for the German lied, and uh, that Professor Heinrich von Amesch instilled. And it's coming up, and I can't wait for it. I, I must say it's.
0: And here's a beautiful song by Schubert, "Nacht und Träume." Such a beautiful piece that "Nacht und Träume" by Franz Schubert, and I guess he knew a lot about night and dreams mm. and. Sadness, sure. and he died so young. Absolutely, and this was someone from whom the music just poured out. Mm-hmm. He couldn't stop it,
1: and wonderful music, wonderful, music. wonderful music. Yeah. I, I, and he only had one concert of his music in his life. That Can he you played. imagine that? I, I cannot. You I can't. Cannot. Schubert. Yeah. His sonatas were mostly unpublished. I'm playing his. Oh, my goodness, I forgot the number. But the G Major late sonata yeah. at the moment, he never heard it and yeah. performed in public. It, it is unfathomable that such a talent could go yeah. amiss. But he was born in the wrong time I mean, to follow Beethoven yeah. in Vienna. It, that's a tall ask with Haydn still alive. It, it's that must have been difficult for him. Yeah. To, to have but to that.
0: as we were saying earlier, he used to get friends together. to perform. Sort of a community of musicians. It's exactly what we were talking about. Exactly. And so he did sort of hear some of his music and and his friends used to put on evenings of Schubert's music, Uh Schubertiad. And that's how he heard some of his music, but it was just the best sort of amateur musicians that got together. Amazing. Well, you are performing on the 24th in Sasselberg at the Etienne Rousseau Theatre. And the 25th of this month, that's Sunday at the Linde Auditorium with the Randberg Symphony Orchestra under Carl Henn. And I'm sure you're going to have fantastic concerts. You're playing Tchaikovsky One Is this the first time you're playing it? First time? Very Woo-hoo! excited
1: for it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> first time. Very, and very excited. And it's quite
1: a monster. It is indeed a wonderful monster. A wonderful, wonderful, very famous, which made it very difficult for me to, to kind of get my own stamp on such a fantastically famous work, but I think I managed and I'm really excited to share it with the orchestra That's and with the people.
0: fantastic. And are you, uh, well, home is now Pretoria, is it your, your parents' home? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Home so, so you're not so going to home to Bethlehem? To Bethlehem no, no. no,
1: not for now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, going home is your final choice. Leslie Garrett singing with the BBC Concert Orchestra, the music by Antonin Dvorak. Going home by Antonin Dvorak, that's from the New World Symphony, Leslie Garrett singing there with the BBC Concert Orchestra under Peter Robinson, the final choice of Willem de Beer, who's been my guest in People of Note, and if you want to go and hear him playing the Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto, you can do that on the 24th and the 25th of this month with the Randberg Symphony Orchestra. Willem, it's been a great pleasure and a privilege having you on the programme. Thank you. Thank you, sir. It was an honour for me. And uh when do you go back to Texas?
1: Uh, I think I play the Tchaikovsky at four o'clock. The concert starts at three thirty, and we we leave straight after that to go to to the airport.
0: <laughs> and now at least you're taking your wife, so exactly. you've got you've got your comfort <laughs> it, with yeah, you exactly, which no, is wonderful, and your forward. your company. That's it. So there we are. That's it for another People of Note on Classic 1027. I'll be back with full works each weekday evening from 8 to 11. But thank you for listening at home, and until we meet again, good night.